Welcome to Palm Vista Community Church as we continue our series in the Psalms. We've entitled the series, Worship in Technicolor. The Psalms give us vocabulary to worship God in the complexities of life. And boy, have we experienced some complexities in life this season here in South Florida. The title of this morning's message is Praise God in His Sanctuary. Praise God in His Sanctuary. So please turn to Psalms chapter 73. Psalm chapter 73, please. We're going to be reading from that psalm. As Christians, we're all walking on a path. It's the path that God has set us on. You're on that path to glory because Jesus had mercy upon you. But how many of you know that as you're walking on that path, things happen that can cause you to stumble? As a matter of fact, the psalmist here this morning says that he almost stumbled. He almost slipped because of some things that were happening. And so we want to take a look at what it was that this psalmist almost stumbled on because it's the same things that cause us to almost stumble and slip on our pathway to God. The the author of this psalm is a guy named Asaph. He was a worship leader in the time of King David. And so he is, he's taking a look at life. He's, He's experiencing life. He's seeing some things and he's being very honest with God. So let's read what he has to say. Psalm 73, verses 1 to 3. Psalm 73, verses 1 to 3. Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But, as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of The wicked in Psalm 73 verse 1, Asaph confesses what is true. God is good to his people, to Israel. But then in verse 2, he gets very real with God. He gets very real in his conversations with God. And he turns to a very honest struggle he's having with God. And here it is, he's saying, God, how in the world can the wicked prosper as they do? In fact, he says, he envied them. He's asking God, God, shouldn't it be the righteous who are enjoying all these good things that the wicked are actually enjoying? And I don't know about you, but I as well can be tempted to stumble and slip when I think about how the wicked seem to prosper, when I take a look at what's happening around me. And I say, how can this be, God? When I read the description of the wicked prospering, as we read here in verses 4 to 15, I have a problem with that. Is it okay for me to go to God and say, God, I have a problem with this? It is. It is okay. Because I would maintain this, church. True faith speaks honestly with God. You don't have to come to God with the scripted, perfect prayer. You can come to God and let it all hang out. You can come to God and complain to God. You can come to God and be angry with God. You can come to God and say, why, Lord, have you allowed this to happen to me? It's okay. He loves you. In fact, I would say that's true faith. True faith is letting it all hang out before God. True faith 
is coming to God. Don't you understand? That's the essence of faith. I actually come to God with my questions. I come to God with my complaints. I come to God with my problems. And that's what Asaph does. He's saying, how can you let this happen, God? How can you let the wicked prosper in the way that they do? Read how they're prospering. Look at verse 4 of Psalm 73. For they, the wicked, have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Well, we saw that this week. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens and their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore, his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge of the Most High? This is the wicked saying, how can God know? Is there knowledge of the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. See, Asaph gives voice to our thoughts in verse 13. God, have I spent my life serving you in vain. God, it's harder now since I've become a Christian. Is it all in vain? God, this is not fair. They're prospering and I'm suffering. And we start to stumble. We start to slip as Asaph did. But then Asaph found his footing in verse 28. Read verse 28 with me there. Asaph found his footing in verse 28. But for me... It is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. It is good for me to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. Verse 28 is the main point of the text up on the screen. Make the Lord your refuge, that you may tell of his works. Make the Lord your refuge that you may tell of his works. Are you stumbling, slipping and sliding today? Have you lost your footing? Are you starting to question whether this whole Christian thing is worth it? Are are you wondering, are the righteous really the ones that are blessed? Because it sure looks like the wicked are being blessed. Are you tempted to stumble here? To slip and to slide around on the pathway that God has placed us on? Then here is God's wisdom to you. Trust in the Lord. Make the Lord your refuge. Point one, in contrast to the wicked, the righteous make the Lord their refuge. Asaph understood that it is God who draws us to himself, and he understood the temple sacrifices as the means by which God makes his own righteous. You see, Asaph points us 
to Christ. Asaph understood the whole temple sacrifices and all that happened in the sacrifices as that, God's provision, God's sacrifice to make us righteous. And Asaph points us to Jesus, for Jesus is the culmination of all those sacrifices. You see, the only difference between the wicked and the righteous is Jesus Christ. None of us are righteous on our own. We are only righteous because Christ has made us righteous. And he's the one who has made the sacrifice for us so that we might walk in righteousness. And that's why scripture says to make the Lord our refuge. Because we are made righteous in Christ. And if you're not a believer here this morning, let me just encourage you. There's no difference between us in and of ourselves. We are all born wicked and sinful. The only difference is God has had mercy on us. And in Christ, he has given us his righteousness. So the verse 1 speaks of us, God's people, whom God blesses, whom God makes their hearts pure in Christ. So those of us who have been made pure in Christ are the ones who make the Lord our refuge because God has put us on this pathway to glory. So how do do we make the Lord our refuge? How do we get sure footing in this pathway to glory? Well, it's the first point that Asaph makes. We praise him in his sanctuary with his people. Subpoint one, praise. Make the Lord your refuge by praising him. Asaph is a worship leader. Asaph knows that it is when we enter into the temple of God that we gain our footing. We're stumbling. We're slipping. We're sliding. But then we read in verse 16 of Psalm 73, but when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. It is when we make God our refuge through praise in his sanctuary that we can keep from stumbling and slipping over the prosperity of the wicked. It is in God's presence with God's people each Sunday that we begin to understand and gain God's perspective on the wicked. Let me say that again. It is in God's presence. Look around you. With God's people, as we are praising God, that you're going to get perspective on how to interpret what happened last Wednesday at Stoneman Douglas High School. Where you're going to get perspective to interpret the suffering that you're going through right now, the disappointments of your life. When you're going to get some perspective to say, how can that person prosper at work and be promoted and be given all this money when they, in fact, are wicked? They're liars, they're schemers, they're manipulators, and they've hurt me. Gathering together every week to praise and worship is all about making the Lord our refuge so that we might gain his perspective and so that we won't stumble and slip and walk off of the pathway that God has put us on. Because it's a hard pathway. Because there are things that happen in this world that we cannot explain. But when we come into God's temple, we realize, we start to praise God, we realize what the end of the wicked is. Look at verses 18 through 20. Truly you set them in a slippery place. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. 
And jumping down to verse 27, for behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. That is reality. It may look like they are prospering, sort of the tortoise and the hare. It may look like the hare is winning the race, but eventually, guess who wins? It's the tortoise. It is the righteous. It's like what Corey was saying last week. We know the end of the game, although right now it looks like we're losing. We're not. God's in control. That was so helpful for me. Do you remember what Corey said last week from Psalm 37? He said that it is the meek who patiently wait for the Lord in hope and confidence in the face of the wicked seemingly prospering. Do you remember what he said about waiting? Is it a passive waiting? No, it's not. Corey said that it's a steady, calm confidence, knowing that God will work all things together for good in the end. It's a life free of bitterness or anger when life doesn't go your way, when you are maligned, and when we can't seem to make sense of our immediate circumstances. And I love this last one. It is a life free from frenzy. If anybody knows me, you know that my life seems to be dominated by frenzy. (laughs) I am a frenetic person. Thank God for the energy but it's not helpful when the frenzy begins to lead me to question God and others and I get crazy and I wonder, are we going to win the game? If you ever watch me watching a football game that I don't know the ending of, I am jumping up and down, screaming at the, at the, at the television right in the middle of the play. Mickey can testify to that. That's how I was during the Super Bowl, like right next to the television. Well, as Corey said, that's okay for a football game. That's even can be some fun, but that's a terrible way to live. Yelling at the TV of life when the plays aren't going my way. And a meek person, a godly person, Asaph, we, dear church, instead of frenzy, we have freedom to walk in peace. Even when we weep and suffer. Because we know what awaits us. So we, friends, are reminded of the outcome. Every time we gather to worship, every time you hear us read this, every time we sing songs, we are reminded of the end of the game. We are reminded of what God says happens to the wicked. We are reminded about what God says happens and blesses, uh, blessings that come upon the righteous. We, we are able then to overcome the frenzied anger and agitation and anguish and even depression that can cause us to be stumbling and slipping on the pathway upon which God has placed us. But listen, corporate worship does more than simply give us a picture of the final judgment of the wicked. It also reminds us that we have a personal relationship with God. We have the grace in Christ Jesus to draw near to our God in prayer. I want you to note something. Beginning in verse 21 of this psalm, you will note that Asaph begins to speak to God directly. He no longer speaks about God, but the pronoun becomes now the second person, singular pronoun, you. It's no longer third person, God. But he says you in verse 21. He starts talking to God directly in prayer. And that's sub-point number two. How do we make the Lord our refuge? By praising him and then by praying to him. We make our, the Lord our refuge through honest, heartfelt prayer, the kind of prayer found in verses 2 and 3. Look at verses 2 and 3 again. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. 
For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. I, this is honest prayer before God. This is, this, is, this is Asaph saying, God, I don't understand this. As we worship God, as we praise God, and then as we move to prayer, we can be honest with God. And what happens is we grow in our trust of God. God is our refuge. And so this trust releases us from the burden of unanswered questions. This is exactly what Corey said last week. It helps us overcome doubts and fears. It moves us from being stupidly serious. I love that, Corey. And frenetic. None of us are fun when we're stupidly serious and frenetic. You know that, right, about me. (laughs) And it moves us to a place of peace. Listen, we can still be weeping. We can still be saying, oh, God, hear my cry. But there's a place of shalom, of peace, of well-being. I know the end, and I know what's going to happen. You've heard this phrase many, many, many times before. I don't know what the future holds, but... I know who holds the future. That is true. That is biblical. This is exactly what Asaph was finding out as he entered into the sanctuary and began to worship God with God's people. But here's the point I want to give you here. He was honest with God. Are you honest with God in your prayer time? Or do you feel you have to dress your prayers up a certain way so when you're not feeling like prayer, you just don't pray? Right? It's like when someone comes knock on your door and you're in a really bad mood and you just don't open the door. I know you're in there. I see the lights on. I hear the television. And you say, I don't have it in me to put a face on with this person. I'm just, I'm just not going to answer the door. And so we think that we have to pray to God in a certain way. And so because we don't feel like praying that way, we don't pray to God. But what we forget is that God loves us. God is our refuge. God is the one who chose us. He's our friend. We don't have to worry about offending God in our prayers. Look at verse 21. It's an example of this. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, verse 22, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast towards you. Listen, that's poetic language, but don't blow by that. Asaph was being a jerk toward God. I know none of you ever experienced this, but... You know, like when you're mad and you're relating to your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, and you're just being a jerk. In fact, the the illustration is I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. Now, you guys all know that I don't, it's not that I don't like dogs. It's that I'm afraid of dogs, okay? But you know why I'm afraid of dogs? Yeah. I go do an interview here at the house over here of Mr. Uh, Sotolongo, and he's got a 500-pound dog in the backyard. We looked over on the windowsill at me, and I almost, I just froze. I went, ah! And of course, everybody, I went, oh, don't worry. Oso is a fine dog. Okay, Oso. That means bear. Right there, that tells you. Oh, Oso, you know. He won't hurt you. Okay. I'm even a little afraid of Coco, okay, every once in a while. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know she is. But you know why I'm a little afraid of dogs? You can't reason with dogs. If all also, funny, happy also, he did have like a big grin. If all also decided to change his mind and take us a, a bite out of my face 
A, he's not going to tell me about it, okay, until he does it. And B, I can't reason with also. Right? Like all animals kind of freak me out. This is all of them, the birds, everything, you know, just they all freak me out. Because I can't reason with them. And this is how Asaph was with God. I am acting like also to you, God. I am a brute. I am like a crazed dog that doesn't even know how to relate to his God. And God said, that's okay. Come to me also. Because here's the deal. True faith isn't coming to God with everything worked out. True faith is coming to God with snot coming out of your nose and, and your eyes all bloodshot and just mad as heck. And you're saying all the wrong things. You're like a brute. You're like a dog. God says, come here, but you're my dog. I'm going to, I love you. Faith is coming to God during those times. Do you you get that? If you're there, go to him. He will love you. He will help you see perspective to turn you from a, a dog in a sense, a beast, a brute, into his image. You are his image, but you'll no longer act like the brute. You'll see all of a sudden. This is the kind of prayer that finds us refuge in God. This is the kind of prayer that brings the peace that overcomes our doubts. Why? As Corey said, the meek, the meek are freed. The meek trust God so that they can do good in the land. And that's point two. The whole reason we make God our refuge by praising him, by praying to him, by understanding it's a relationship he forwards. We can't mess up because he's the one that initiated it. He loves us. Even when we act like dogs toward him. He's going to help us and change us and bless us so that we can tell of the Lord's works. That's what verse 28 says. Sometimes we'll go through the heartbreaks and the problems in life so that we can run to God, at least we're running to him, as animals, as brutes. And then God changes us. So then when we tell of his works, we tell of it with a peaceful, humble, gentle brokenness. And we point to Jesus. Because see, the Lord's works are summed up in Christ. For it is Christ. It is, it is in Christ that God is good to us because it is in Christ that God makes our wicked hearts pure. Look again at verse 1. Verse 1, listen, Asaph kind of got it. Verse 1 is Asaph singing a worship song, but his brain isn't engaged, right? We, we come into church, come thou fount of many blessings, and then our brain engages. Wait, what blessings? You know, we're, the song's still going, right? We're going, I don't have any blessings. My car just broke down. I just got fired. I don't like that person. There's no, and, and you know, we're singing the song in our, with our mouths, but our heads are being real with God. Well, verses two all the way to 15 is Asaph being real with God. Oh, come thou fount of many blessings. I know God, you are good to Israel. That's your people to those who are pure in heart. But then verses two to whatever he says, but I don't see you being good. And I see you being good to the evil. What's going on, God? But the point is, Asaph goes to the Lord. And the point is that the only reason God is good to Israel is because it is in Christ that he makes our hearts pure. Here's the gospel, friends. If you're here as an unbeliever, here's the gospel. Here's a a summary of the gospel. God the Son, Jesus Christ, to whom Asaph was pointing as a worship leader in the temple where they gave sacrifices for sin, he was pointing to Jesus. God the Son, Jesus Christ, came to this earth to be rejected by his Father, to become sin on our behalf, 
to take on the wicked heart that is ours on the cross and die for our, the penalty for our sin. And then when he rose from the dead for our forgiveness, we celebrated that through communion this morning so that now we can have a pure heart because of Christ's purity and Christ's righteousness. So I can begin this psalm. I can begin my telling of the works of God by saying we are made righteous in Christ. He was rejected that we might be accepted, friends. He was put off that we might be brought near. These are the Lord's works that we tell to all who will listen. These are the Lord's works that Asaph was telling to all who would listen in verses 23 to 26. Because in verses 23 to 26, Asaph communicates three things about Christ. Christ's presence, Christ's peace, and Christ's power. Look at them with me. Christ's presence, first subpoint. Psalm 73, verse 23 to 24. Nevertheless, after he's gotten his senses back, after he stopped acting like an animal, he's now acting like a man in the image of God, and he understands God's perspective because he's praised God in the sanctuary with his people. In verse 23, he's going to start declaring the good works of God, and these, this is Christ's presence with us. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. This is Asaph talking to God. I'm with you. Because you were with me, you chose me first, but I'm with you because you chose me and you will never let me be separated from you, Jesus. This is, this is a good work that we talk about. It's Christ's work, not mine. You hold my right hand. Father, you hold my right hand like your little son who wants to run away from you right in the middle of the, of the cars and you see the car coming, boom, you hold my right hand. How many of you are running into the middle of the street right now in your minds? Jesus, bam, grabs your hand. Grabs your hand. And you're kicking and screaming and yelling and on the floor. And he's just like, I love you. You're acting like a brutish little dog right now, but I love you. Holds me by my right hand. Verse 24, you guide me with your counsel. Listen, if you don't know what to do, if you don't know where to go, if you've tried doing something, you continually find a brick wall. Jesus will counsel you. And afterward, he will receive you into glory. He will receive you into glory. That's the end game. That enables us to be meek and peaceful and not frenzied now. See, Asaph speaks directly to God for all to hear in these verses. He declares that because Christ was drawn near, because Christ was rejected, we are drawn near. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. David Bush preached that two weeks ago from Psalm 23, remember? And he cross-referenced it with Romans 8. At the end of that chapter, it says nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ. Christ Jesus holds us. So that's his presence. Can you talk about that tomorrow at work? No matter what your circumstances. Can you? Also his peace. Next sub point. Look at verse 25. This is the peace that Corey spoke of last week. That shalom that the meek walk in. Peace versus frenzy. Verse 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Because Christ first loved us, we now love him and desire him more than anything else on earth. Corey preached last week, I delight in you, Lord, and as I delight in you, you give me the desires of my heart. I delight in you because you first delighted in me. You set your love upon me, quite independent of my choice. You chose me, and now I delight in you. And when I delight in you, you give me the desires of my heart. That is, you change my desires to conform themselves into your desires, God. And then you fulfill those desires that you gave me in Christ. Man, when that's the game, friends, 
then you can walk in peace. Instead of trying to get what you want all the time. Living according to rogue desires. You now live with the one who fulfills all desires. As your ultimate desire. In Christ. This is the peace that the world cannot understand. And it cannot take away from you. It's the peace that passes understanding. And the reason the world cannot take it away from you. Is because Jesus has overcome the world. See, what what Asaph is saying here is, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth I desire besides you. He says, listen, if they take it all away, I still have Jesus. And no one can take that away. And he is the best. And finally, I tell of God's presence. I tell of God's peace in Christ. And I tell of God's power in Christ. Verse 26, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength my heart and my portion forever. When your heart is weak, when you are stumbling, when the ground beneath you begins to shake, you feel like you're standing on jello or you trip over something that you didn't see and you see the ground coming up and you're about to smack it. The first thing it's going to hit is your nose or you're slipping on an icy ground. Listen, Jesus is your strength. He holds your right hand and grabs it. He keeps you upright. When you come to the end of yourself, run to Christ, for he is our strength and our portion forever. As those who were far off, who have now been brought near in Christ, we tell of God's works, of his grace in Christ. We tell of his presence in Christ. We tell of his peace in Christ. We tell of his power in Christ. So here's the appeal, church. Where do you find your refuge this morning? Mark this down. Where you find your refuge, there you find your message. You cannot tell of the works of the Lord if your refuge is not in Christ. But where you find your refuge, there you find your message. What's your message, friend? Is it the message of Christ who suffered for us before ascending into glory and who now stands as your refuge in the midst of your suffering in a world where the wicked seem to prosper? Is the Lord your refuge? Do you delight to praise him in his sanctuary, the church, with his people, your brothers and sisters in Christ? Do you pray honest? heartfelt, even desperate prayers of one who almost stumbled and nearly slipped on the pathway to glory? Is it the message of Christ's presence, Christ's peace, Christ's power in a world that can feel so lonely, so chaotic, and so overwhelming? Is that the message of your life? As you find your refuge in Christ, you will find your voice to share his presence and his power and his peace at work, at school, and during play, and in your neighborhoods and in your communities. And dear non-Christian friend, thank you for coming. I pray that you would come forward and bow your knee to Jesus as your Lord, for he alone is the refuge from the greatest problem, from the greatest chaos, from the greatest thing that any of us should ever fear, and that is the wrath of God against our sins. He's the one who gives you a pure heart, not your purity, his purity. And I beg you, repent and believe in Jesus. Let us pray. Worship team, please join me up front. Father, I pray that you would give us your grace this morning.
that we would see you. Lord, even in a moment as we're going to praise you together in your sanctuary, that it would adjust our perspectives. Lord, that we would make you our refuge by praising you, but also by praying to you. Lord God, that we would experience, Lord Jesus, doesn't matter how we say it, doesn't matter what state of mind we're in, but Lord, we just come stumbling to you, slipping and sliding to you like a little child, kind of stumbling and bumbling and sliding into their parents' arms. They come dirty, they come a mess, but they come, that's the point, they come. And we say, Lord, we want to experience your presence. We're so lonely. We, see, we feel so outside the loop. We want to experience your peace. We are so frenzied. Our hearts, our minds are chaotic jumbles of thoughts. We want to experience your peace. We want to experience your power. Lord, we're tired. We're weak. We've come to the end of our strength. God is the strength of our heart and our portion forever. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've got a unique way for us to apply this message. It's going to be a very up, uplifting and upbeat way. I think that what we're about to do is a tonic. It is a, it is a wonderful inoculation a bit against being stupidly serious. Okay? You ready for this? Latinos, you will flow very well with this. Non-Latinos, just let your Latino self come out right now. So we're going to sing Casa de Adoración. We're going to sing it strong. We're going to sing it loud. We're going to sing it crazy. And if you want to get out and dance in the aisles, go for it. I'm serious. I'm serious. I'm serious. Listen, listen. Sometimes we just got to say, God, I trust you. And I'm going to be hilariously, wonderfully, unrestrictedly trusting you. Not because I think I've got it all worked out, but because I trust you. So I invite you, church, to stand. Zeke, I invite you to lead us once again in Casa de Adoración. Sing it as long as you want, as fast as you want, in any language you want, okay? (laughs) Church, can we just worship God and forget about what we sound like or look like? And just remember who God is, amen? All right, amen. Let's worship.